First Peter, the first chapter. Let's begin in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively or living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, in that he was raised, we have salvation, and also we have the hope that we'll be raised, just like that. Amen. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. How many understand that the blessings we get now in this life are called just the first fruits of our inheritance? First fruit or earnest of our inheritance means something like a down payment. You know, a lot of times down payments are what? You know, 10% or sometimes less, sometimes more, you know, something like that. Well, man, if all the blessings we've got are just 10% of what we've got coming, then glory to God, we have a very, very bright future. And that sounds just like God too, doesn't it? That's just like Him. But it says, verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, just like you did a moment ago, see, you lifted your hand and said, praise God and hallelujah, made you happy. Though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, in other words, the trial of your faith might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable, and full of glory, receiving the end of your salvation, end of your faith, rather, end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. I want to talk to you, friends, about the trial of your faith. <laughs> the trial of your faith. Everybody say trial. Trial, trial of your faith. Think that'd be worthwhile, yeah. worth talking about, worth thinking about. You know, I've been around faith teaching for some years now. And I've been in one of the greatest places in the world to learn about faith. Now, some people think Mark, Mark 11, 23 and 24 was written by Kenneth E. Hagin, but, <laughs> but it was not. Jesus said, Amen. And you talk about, you know, uh, well, believing what you say and having what you say and exercising authority and believing you receive when you pray. And some folks say, oh, you know, you're a Haganite. <laughs> you're just, a, you know, you're just one of those, one of those name it and claim it bunches, you say. You know, blab it and grab it. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of different titles folks can hang on us. But you know, Brother Hagin didn't say that. Brother Hagin didn't say Mark eleven twenty three. 
than 24. That was in there a long time before Brother Hagin came around. Jesus said, if you'll uh, say something and believe and not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say comes to pass, you'll have what you say. Jesus said that. How many know that's true? Yeah. Jesus said that. Jesus said, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Jesus said, all things are possible to him that believes. All things that you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Jesus said it. So I guess that would make us Jesusites. <laughs> Amen. Because we're just basing that on what he said. Amen. But you know, the longer I've been around faith, I haven't gotten less interested in faith. I've gotten more interested in faith. I'm more stirred up now about faith than I've ever been. And I'm more convinced of the importance of faith than I've ever been. Sometimes folks say, well, you folk talk about faith, 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 faith. I get, hard, I get tired of you hearing you talk about faith. Every time I turn around, you're saying, turn to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Turn to Mark 11.23 and 24. Faith, 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 faith. Is that all you folk talk about? Well, no. But I tell you this. If you're going to be successful in life, you're not going to do it without faith. You understand? You can't get saved without faith. You understand? You can't please God without faith. You understand the just are going to have to live by faith and walk by faith. And that what is the victory that overcomes the world? Even our faith. I mean, it's not just uh, some preachers that talk a lot about faith. Have you read the New Testament lately? It says faith, 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 faith. And even with all the teaching and even with all the things that, that have come out, still, I want you to know, friend, there is vast and gross ignorance about faith. What faith is, how it operates, how to get faith, how to operate in faith. Even among charismatics, people that are in so-called charismatic churches, many of them are terribly weak in faith and do not understand faith. I'm talking about people who have 20 different tape series on faith in their closet. You understand? They don't have enough faith to believe their way out of a wet paper bag. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? It's just the truth. I, I mean, I've, been, I've been working trying to help folk get healed right here in healing school for 10 years. Day after day after day. You know, through the week. And we've come across the same thing again and again and again. Problem is faith, lack of faith, weak faith. And you know, if you have never experienced weak faith, then you just are deluded and deceived to say such a thing because all of us have been there. Well, we wish our faith was at a different place than what it is, but it's just not. You are where you are. But you don't have to stay there. I said you don't have to stay there. You can get your faith built up, amen, and you can receive. You know, again and again and again in the ministry of Jesus, when people got healed, he attributed the, the healing to their faith. Have you ever studied that? I've studied it many times, being in healing school here. And uh, there are only about 19 cases of individuals mentioned healed in the New Testament four gospel accounts. Uh, there's more accounts than that if you add people being raised from the dead, people being delivered and healed and 
and what have you. But if you're talking about just healing, where there's some detail given about it, there's only about 19 individual cases. And case after case after case, you'll see Jesus say something about the person's faith. For instance, remember the two blind men that came and said, Heal us, you know, you know have mercy on us, thou son of David, rather. And he said, According to your faith, be it unto you. Remember the woman with the issue of blood pressed through the crowd, touched Jesus' clothes, and what did he tell her? Daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. Again and again you hear that. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you whole. The ten lepers stood afar and said, Lord, have mercy on us. He said, go show yourself to the priest. They did. As they went, they were healed. One of them turned around, came back and fell down and praised the Lord. He said, you know, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you whole. According as you believe, so be it done unto you. Amen? Faith, 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 faith. And so again and again where some folk are trying to say, well, you know, healing is just up to the sovereignty of God. If God wills, then you'll be healed, and if not, then you won't. And they just put it all, they say, well, it's just all up to God if he wills. But if you study the, uh, the, the accounts of people healed in Jesus' ministry, that's not the way it's worded. That's not the way it's presented. Instead of Jesus telling people, your faith made you whole, if what these folks say is true, then he should look at them and said, well, sister, God and his sovereignty has chosen to heal you. Rejoice. You know what I'm saying? But, but he doesn't say that kind of a thing. Again and again, he just looks at them and says, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has saved you. According to your faith, be it done unto you. As you've believed, be it done unto you. Faith, faith, believing, faith. Study it and you'll see. Case after case after case after case. Well, he never changes. His word never changes. His way and will never changes. So that's still, still the way it is today. It's that way today. So if you're going to come out of your trial, of your test, what's going to, what's going to be the key? Your faith. Not your wife's faith. Not your husband's faith, not your pastor's faith, your faith. Now this is something that sometimes people get confused about. Other people's faith can only help you to a degree. I said other people's faith can only help you to a degree. Other people cannot just carry you indefinitely and independently. This has been a source of confusion for a lot of folks. I don't know how many times I've People have asked me, so, well, I, I don't understand. I was believing that such and such would happen with this person, and it didn't happen. I know I was believing. Well, fine, but what were they believing? You can't just take what you believe and just push it off on somebody irrespective. Amen. Sometimes the Lord will let you help others with their faith, depending on several variable factors, particularly if Christians are very young, you see. The Lord will let you help people more the younger they are, and less opportunity they've had to, to walk with the Lord and learn, but particularly people that have walked with the Lord for some time and that should know some things and have seen God do things for them again and again. He expects more out of them. And He won't let you just, you know, believe everything for somebody. So it's not just what your neighbor believes or your spouse believes or your friend believes or even your, your pastor or minister friend. What do you believe? What do you believe? Because it's your faith that's going to get you through. Remember what he told that woman? Your faith has made you whole. Well, if our faith is so important, and I think that you can see that it is, it's the determining factor. 
in our being healed and our victory. If it's so important, you can see why the enemy would target our faith. You can see that. And you can see why your faith is going to be tried. Now that, you know, some of these things won't make you shout, will they? I mean, you just, you know. <laughs> Somebody says, hey, your faith is going to be tried. That doesn't make you jump up and run the aisle. You just, you know, you sit there and you go, well, that's what the Word says, you know. But you know, to be forewarned, to be forearmed, as we say. You know? So look at it as a positive thing. That you don't get caught off guard, because you know. I mean, you know, if, if somebody said, you know, well, so-and-so is coming to your house to, to shoot you. You know? They're going to attack your house. They're going to break in your house to steal from you and to hurt you. Well, that's bad. What would be even worse is for you to not know they're coming. <laughs> is that right? If they're going to come, at least if you know, that's good. Because you can be sitting there ready. Isn't that right? With the door barred. Your bazooka pointed out the window. <laughs> I don't know why I say you're, you're ready, you know. And then when he gets there and sees that you're ready, he might have other ideas. He might say, hey, you know, this guy's ready for me. I better not try him now. So even, you know, if something, if something challenging or negative is going to happen... Well, that's not good, but, you know, thank God if we can know about it and prepare and be ready. Well, the Word says your faith's going to be tried. If you've walked with the Lord very long at all, your faith has already been tried in different ways, different areas. Has anybody ever experienced any trial of your faith in him? <laughs> I have. Lord, I have. My, my tried. But you can look at that either negatively or positively. The positive perspective of that is that, hey, my faith can stand the test. Amen. And when my faith is tested, it's just like gold that passes through the fire. You got the, if you've got pure gold, it'll take the heat and come out brighter. Amen. It's got a little bit of impurity in it. Find that needs to be burnt out anyway. Amen. But when it's all said and done, it'll be sparkling, shiny, pure gold. Pure, precious faith. I think it may be uh, a little bit elusive to us to really comprehend and understand how God views faith. He calls it more than once. He calls it precious. Precious. Now, you know, we, we think of certain things as precious, but what does God look at as precious? Do you understand that you, you, you took up a, a, a suitcase, you know, or suitcases. I don't know, I don't know how many you'd have to have. To have a, a billion dollars. That's a lot of money. I'm talking about big bill, the biggest bill you can get, you see. And you, and you put it in front of the Lord. Would he, would he be impressed? Look, Lord, a billion dollars. <laughs> no. I mean, he could, you know, he could probably take a, a few square feet of his street. You know what I'm saying? 
and be be worth more, much more than that. You know what I'm saying? You're talking about wealth. God is wealthy. And, and don't forget you're his kid. All right? Don't forget that your heavenly father is wealthy beyond your imagination. Absolutely beyond your imagination. So here, that's not going to impress him. He likes jewels and things. He builds his walls out of them. He likes big ones. Doesn't he? He does. So, you know, ladies, you know, if you like big rings and big diamonds, well, I guess you take after your father. I don't know. You know? <laughs> Sorry, fellas, I shouldn't have said that. Brother, too late. <laughs> but, but, you know, well, you know, if, 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 if the father was a uh, Pentecostal or a charismatic preacher down here, he'd be in trouble for having, his, he makes his gates out of pearls, you know? He'd think, yeah, well, how extravagant. Why don't you make you a good wrought iron gate, you know? Pearls, that's, but that's God. And you know, some folk get upset because they see somebody, some fellow, some preacher this or that with a gold watch on or something, you know? Well, Jesus would get in trouble. Because last time we see him over in Revelation, he's got a gold band. Because, you know, I doubt if it's fake either. You know what I'm saying? I bet it's the real thing. You know what I'm saying? Ah, <laughs> uh, we're not getting into that too much. But, but you understand what I'm saying? But what does, you know, gold really doesn't impress God. You know, jewels. He's he's got them everywhere. Uh, what impresses God? What does God see? And He thinks, ooh, precious. Faith. Faith is a precious thing to God. Precious. That word "precious" in the New Testament is used in some uh, exclusive ways. It's used concerning the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the precious fruit of the earth. That's us, the souls of mankind. Precious faith. Well, that, that's, that's good company, isn't it? Precious. Do you understand? When we're talking about precious, we're talking about something that God highly esteems. Something He greatly values. Remember over in Luke, that's, that, that, that's such a uh, soul-searching statement that, that was said. It says, when the Son of Man returns to earth, shall He find faith? You know, that's, that's what He's looking for. Faith. <clears throat> I don't know if you and I have really understood how important our faith is to God. How precious and valuable it is to Him. What it means to Him. Because it'll help you if you understand that to see what a target your faith is. Because if anything that's that important to God and that precious to God, then you wouldn't be surprised that the enemy makes it a primary target. And so your faith is going to be tried. That's not something you'll have to believe for or confess for. It's going to happen. If you confess against it, it will still happen. All right? Because the Word talks about it. It's going to happen. And uh, it's not that the, uh, the Lord is, you know, trying to hurt you and put pressure on you to just 
kind of demonstrate some things. The enemy is doing some things that will result in the trial of your faith. And the enemy's objective is not for you to come out with dazzling, shining, precious faith. His objective is for you to wind up face down with no faith. That's his objective. Do you understand? But you can take what the enemy means for bad and you can use it to just put your faith against it and when it's all said and done and when the dust is cleared, you're still standing there having believed God, having demonstrated and proved that the word is true and trustworthy and your faith will be even stronger as a result. Amen. And it'll shine even brighter and it'll be even more valuable and more precious in the sight of God. Amen. And so the devil's plan will have blown up right in his face and, and, and caused the very thing he did not want to happen in even greater degrees. You know? I'm talking about having a positive outlook on trials and tests because they're a part of life, aren't they? I don't know where some folk get it, you know. I, I heard Brother Hagin say, you know, Personally, I've heard him say, you know, I don't know where these folk get this. That if you just, if you have faith, you're not ever going to have any trials and tests. He said, I didn't teach them that. Where'd they get that? I said, I don't know, Dad. I, I didn't tell them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Where'd they get that? Well, he doesn't teach that. You understand? F having faith does not assure that you will never have any tests or trials. No, it doesn't. Having faith assures that you will have victory over every trial, every test, that you'll always triumph. You'll always win. Thank God. And so let's, let's have a positive perspective. Let's have a, a good outlook about these things. You know, think about this. When we're talking about Brother Hagin, think about his life. Do, do you think perhaps that the enemy ever, uh, in retrospect, Wished he hadn't attacked uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin with that sickness and disease. <laughs> you know, think about it. You know, if he had never done that, then he'd have never been miraculously healed. He'd never had the testimony that he's had all these years. You know, it was it was a tough situation. Now it was tough. You know, we can look back now and say, glory to God, wasn't that great? You know, came off the deathbed as a teenager and got healed, you know. But, but if you just backed up a few days before that, lying there paralyzed, not knowing the rest of the story, you understand what I'm saying? You know, whole different, whole different thing. But through the course of that, through the course of that whole, that whole series of events, he went to hell. He went to heaven. He got born again, learned about faith, was miraculously healed, answered the call to preach. Amen. There was a lady out of crusade one time looking at the book tables. She went by and saw some Brother Hagin's materials. little book said, I went to hell. You know? And she went over here and, and had this book, I Believe in Visions. And one of them, it talked about him going to heaven. And she said, Lord, Lord. Did man man been to hell? Been to heaven? Talked about all these places he'd been at in the country and in there. Said that man been everywhere. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> well, I guess when you've been to hell and heaven and all through the earth, you, you've been around. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> that is funny, though. He's been everywhere. But you know, reckon the devil ever in retrospect thought, you know, well, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I just picked the wrong one. To slap that incurable heart disease, blood disease, and deformity and paralysis on. You know, because now for decades, decades, he's told through, through word, through his words, through tapes, through books, through whatever, millions around the world about how the devil couldn't kill him. He tried. Tried his best. How that a 16-year-old boy that didn't know anything about the Word except one verse of Scripture believed God and whipped the devil at his own game. <laughs> you know? My, my, my. <laughs> You know, that'd help us to remember that too, you know. That that Brother Hagin came off the bed when he was not Brother Hagin. You see what I mean by that? He was Kenny. <laughs> Teenage boy. We're not talking about Prophet Hagin. We're not talking about Elder Hagin. You know, or in some other areas, he'd be the equivalent of our bishop, you see. Now, we're not talking about a father in the faith. We're not talking about an elder, a prophet. We're not even talking about a minister. We're talking about a teenage boy who up until a few days ago wasn't even saved. Didn't know the Word of God at all. Just started reading the Bible. Got a hold of one verse. Mark eleven twenty four. Came off of a bed where doctors had agreed, renowned doctors had agreed he can't live past a few more weeks or months. Amen. You understand why I say that? Because I don't want you to think that you have to walk with God for several decades and have several tremendous experiences before you can believe God and get results. All right, God will meet you where you are. If you'll just reach up to Him where you are. Have all the faith you know Him to walk in. Do what you know. So if the enemy has uh, picked you to launch an attack on, well, you just need to serve him notice that he's picked the wrong one. He just, he just shouldn't oughta done that. You know what I'm saying? Because you're going to make him eat it. You know what I mean by that? You're not only going to be a conqueror, you're going to be more than a conqueror. Amen. Even though it's a test, even though it's a trial, you're going to overcome in Jesus. Amen. And then not only are you going to personally overcome, you're going to go tell everybody he wasn't big enough to do it. And that what God did for you, he'll do for them. Amen. That's being more than a conqueror. Amen. Just just turn it out to the Lord's good. The devil means it for harm. He means to destroy you. He means to kill you. Oh, he's not he's not into your edification or, or building up. He he's he's out to destroy you. You understand? But you can take what he means for evil and just take it as an opportunity and a, as an occasion to exercise faith and let God be glorified. Can you say amen? So your faith's going to be tried. It's a fact of life. 
your faith is going to be tried. Go with me to Matthew, why don't you? 13th chapter. Matthew chapter 13. And I'll show you a great example of uh, the trial of your faith. Before this is all over with, we're going to get into some things and tell you how to deal with the trial of your faith. Exactly how to overcome it. But right now we're just we're laying a foundation. That's why I'd very much like for you to be able to come back tomorrow if you could. And uh, the next day and throughout the week if you could. In Matthew 13, you remember that we have here the parable of the sower. We're told how that the sower sowed the seed. And he mentions, uh, what is it, four different types of ground here. Wayside ground, stony ground, thorny ground, good ground. Only one of those types of ground brought forth a harvest. Right? The good ground. The other three, wayside, stony, thorny, did not. Now, we can go on to read the uh, explanation of the parable, and we understand that he's telling us that the uh, seed that's sown is the Word of God, and that the ground that the seed is sown onto is uh, typical and representative of people and human hearts. You know, over in 1 Corinthians 3, we're called God's garden. We're God's farm. Amen. We're the ground his seed is planted in. And we're supposed to bring forth a harvest, aren't we? We're supposed to bring forth fruit. Fruit. Spiritual fruit. Natural fruit. Lots of different kinds of fruit for God. God likes us to be fruitful. And uh, like I said, we we're told that only one of these types of ground brought forth the, brought forth the harvest, brought forth the fruit. And what that means to us is that only one out of these three different types of uh, situations and people, only one of these cases got results. The other three didn't. And yet all of them had the word sown on them. That's interesting, isn't it? Is it possible to have the word sown into your life and not get any results? Sure is. Sure is. Wayside, stony, thorny, good. We want to be good ground. Amen. The kind of ground that, that receives, that keeps, that brings forth 30, 60, 100 fold. What was sown into it. That's, that means we're, we're having victory. That means we're getting results in our life. The Word is producing results. Amen. And the Word will produce results. When it is sown in the right kind of ground and it's treated properly, it will produce results. No question about it. If results are not forthcoming, it's not the Word's fault. It's not the seed's fault. The problem lies with the ground. Can you see all that from this parable? I'm just, this is a whole teaching within itself, but I'm just summarizing some things. Well, I want you to notice in particular the stony ground. Notice with me in uh, verse 20 and 21. Matthew 13, 20 and 21. Here he's giving us the explanation of this parable in this particular part 
concerning the uh, stony ground. He says, uh, verse 20, But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet, we could say, but, hath he not root in himself, but dureth, or we could say endureth, for a while, or we could say just a little while. For when tribulation, everybody say tribulation. That sounds a lot like trial, doesn't it? Tribulation, a persecution, ariseth, why? Because of the word. By and by, he is offended. He is offended. In other words, he, this person gets disillusioned, gets offended, gets hurt over it, and they cast away their confidence, and they give up. They relinquish their hold on the word. They quit. And therefore, even though they heard the word, even though they received the word and started out, yet they have no results because they quit. Can you see this is a perfect description of the individual whose faith was tried and found wanting? But if you notice... Down in the uh, uh, 23rd verse, it says, He that receives seed into the good ground is he that hears the word, understands it, which also bears fruit and brings forth some in hundreds, some sixty, some thirty. If you look at Luke's account, which you don't necessarily have to turn there, I'll just read it to you. But in Luke's account of the same happening, just Luke recorded the same thing. He says this, he said, But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart Having heard the word, keep it. And bring forth fruit with patience. See, the reason I quoted, read Luke's to you is because he said some things in a little bit different way. He said they, they kept it. They had a good and an honest heart. And they heard the word, they received it, and they kept it. And they brought forth fruit with patience. Do you understand, my friend, that there are some things that the enemy has prepared for you? I know this doesn't bless you, but you need to know it, okay? He has prepared some things for you. The Bible said, you know, eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither into the heart of man the things that God prepared for them that love him. But I want you to know the devil has prepared some things for those that love God. And you know what they're designed to do? They're designed when he run, when you go through it. They're designed by the time you come out the other end of it to be completely stripped of your faith. Do you understand that? Until by the time you come out on the other side of that trial, that test, that, that tribulation, that ordeal, that you stand on the other side a pitiful, pathetic, defeated, depressed, faithless individual. And I think you know that that has worked in different cases here and there. 
It may, have worked, it, may, it may have worked partially on you in different times. But the time, by the time you got through something, you just thought, is there a God? <laughs> I mean, you might not have voiced it, but you, you didn't have enough faith to get up off your chair. You know what I'm saying? You just, the devil's device was effective. You understand the devil prepares these ordeals specifically designed to strip you of faith. Faith is precious to God. And the devil hates it. Because it represents everything that defeats him. You understand? With, with faith, the devil's in trouble. Without faith, he has nothing to fear. If you have no faith, he is, I mean, he has nothing to fear out of you. You're not a threat. You're not a problem at all. But with faith, with faith, demons tremble when you have great faith. I mean, when you have great faith, God will move heaven and earth for you. Amen. I mean, that might sound like an exaggeration, but I mean, I don't have to go too far to show you examples of it. A man named Joshua had faith and called out to God and the sun stood still. You understand? I mean, phenomenal things have happened just because people had faith. Called out to God, cried out to God, spoke words of faith. Can you see how that our faith is such a target? God values it so highly and the devil so wants to rob you of it. So wants to rob you. And I tell you, there's nothing more pathetic in this world than a faithless human being. It's true. You know, people that they wind up on the street. I'm not talking about people that just, you know, they, they've encountered situations that's beyond their control and they just need some temporary help and they can get back on the feet. I'm talking about people that just, they have chosen the street as a way of life. They sleep in the gutter. They don't do anything. If you offered them help, they wouldn't take it. You know what, the, you know what those people are? They are completely faithless. They have no faith at all. have no faith in any product, in any business, in any work, in any government, in any system, in God, in themselves. They have no faith. The thing that keeps, keeps you getting out of bed in the morning is faith, whether you realize it or not. Do you know that? As people lose enough of their faith, they think, why get up? If I go to work and make money, I'll just have to pay taxes and bills. <laughs> Are you listening? What's the focus? What, what's the use? What's the reason? What's the focus? Why, why even get up and do it? Because you know, what if you do make a success? Become the president of the company and make $600,000 a year. Drive nice cars and live in a big house. You're going to die. <laughs> so what's the point so they lay in the ditch no faith amen the devil has effectively stripped them and robbed them of the last shreds of gleaming precious faith that they had in them and so they are now an empty human being with no faith. 
But that's not me. And that's not you. Amen? We're a people of faith. We get up in the morning with purpose. We're here for a purpose. We live for a purpose. We're headed toward heaven and glory and the kingdom of God. We've got every reason in the world to get up and go. Amen. And if there's problems, so there's a God who sits on the throne who can take care of the problem. Faith. That's faith. What makes you look up when everybody else is looking down? Faith. What makes you shout when everybody else cries? Faith. Faith. Oh, I love it. I love faith. I love people that have faith. I do. I do. I love everybody. But I'm talking about, I just, I love being around people that have faith. I like it. I can see somebody I don't even know and hear them talk a little bit. And if I hear faith in their voice, I go, hmm. (laughs) All right. And you know, the more I grow, I despise unbelief. I don't like, I still love people if they have unbelief, but I don't like unbelief. It stinks to me. You know what I mean? All this depression. Down. Fat lip. Draggy feet stuff. You know, I, I don't like it. It's enough junk in the world without putting up with that stuff. You know? Smile and tell me God is real. Tell me that He will do what He told you He would do. That it's going to be alright. That's all I want to hear. That's all I care to hear. Amen. Any sinner can be negative. It takes no special talent for that. (laughs) Right? But I like faith, don't you? Well, you know, if you like being around people that that have faith, then you know, people are going to like being around you. If you're a person of faith. Amen. Amen. You ought to be the kind of person that people know. They just know. If I get up and I'm having a bad day, just go hang around them a little bit. Amen. You know? Because they don't walk around in a cloud of darkness over their head. Amen. When they walk in the room, their smile lights up the room. Amen. Amen. Just their presence radiates faith. You can just hang around them a little bit and just know, hey, everything's going to be all right. God's on the throne. It'll be okay. It'll be all right. We'll come out. God knows how. We'll do it. That's faith. Faith is positive. So positive. Never negative. Never down. Always up. It's a decision you make as to what you look at. How you think. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, a a, a person who has strong faith in their heart are just absolutely unconquerable. You know, you just, you can't defeat them. I mean, you, you, you can have them on the floor with your foot on their head, <laughs> pressing their nose in the carpet. And, and you'll hear them go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You say, what'd you say? And you have to put your ear down, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? What? And they'll say, victory is near. <laughs> <laughs> Victory is near. (laughs) Yeah. 
victory is near. <laughs> that's faith. I'm talking to you about faith. And that's precious to God. Oh, God loves that. When God hears that mumble out of the carpet, it makes him smile. He punches the Lord. And Gabriel, he says, hey, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Oh, I like that. I like that. And you watch what he does. You watch what he does for people like that. Brother Smith Wigglesworth was fond of saying, he said, there's something about faith that will cause God to pass over a million people just to get to you. I believe it. I absolutely believe it. Oh, yeah. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the earth. What's he looking for? He wants to show himself strong on the behalf of him whose heart is perfect toward him. That word perfect means wholehearted. That's what it literally means. Wholehearted. What kind of heart does God want holy towards him? Well, a heart of faith. He's already said that again and again. Faith pleases him. You're wholly committed to him, trusting him. Looking to Him. Expecting from Him. Holy. He's looking for people like that. Just looking. Your, your, your faith needs to send up a red flag and say, Here, Lord. Here. Here's one. Here I am. I have faith. Amen. Glory to God. Do you like faith? Well, we'll, we'll get along if you like faith. I, I don't like unbelief. If if you go through the, uh, uh, the, the the Lord Jesus just ministered me this to me one day about this that he didn't like unbelief. He actually unbelief irritated him, and uh, that was somewhat. Even though I knew that kind of generally, that was a little bit new slant on it for me. And I looked at, looked at the scriptures again, some of his life situations again. And you know, if you'll study that, you'll see Jesus get as stern and strong with people about unbelief as about anything. I mean, he, he did. The Bible said on one occasion in Mark 3, said he looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for their hardness of heart, you see, and their unbelief, you see. And when the disciples didn't believe that he was raised from the dead, one of the first things he did when he appeared to him, he, he jacked them up. You know what I mean? That he, he reproved them. Two, you know the two guys uh, on the road to Emmaus? What did he say to him when he heard him talking? He said, oh fools, and slow of heart to believe. Well, right? And the Bible said that he, when he appeared to those inside the room, he rebuked them. And reproved them for their hardness of heart and their unbelief. Otherwise, he said, Why don't you believe? I told you for three years. Why didn't you believe? Why do you doubt? The Lord doesn't like unbelief. I'm telling you, He doesn't like it. If you want to get along good with Him, don't doubt Him. Don't doubt Him. Don't, don't wallow in a bunch of, Well, I don't know. We'll just have to see. That irritates the Lord. He likes to hear you say, The Lord said it. That's the way it's going to be. Guaranteed. You just watch and see. Whatever the Lord said, that's the way it'll be. Don't care what it looks like. That's what it'll be. Faith pleases him. Unbelief irritates him. He doesn't like it. So don't don't toy around with it and say, well, you know, all of us have some unbelief. That's just the way it is. No. Get it out. Get it out. Replace it with faith because the Lord does not like it. Now, 
The enemy, like I said, is going to try to strip you of your faith. Do you believe that? It's a fact. He's working on it. He's been working on it. He may be working on it right now. <laughs> I know that doesn't bless you, but you need to be forewarned and forearmed because the Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices. Right? So he's got some devices. And he's working on you. There may be some folk here that used to have some faith in some areas that the devil stole it away. Do some things. Now, the devil can't steal your faith away from you unless you let him. Okay? He can't just do it apart from you cooperating some. But he's very tricky. He's very subtle and crafty. And oh, is he persistent. Man, he'll just stay on it. Trying to get you to believe his lies. Trying to uh, get you off of what will help you. Trying to strip you of your precious faith. If your faith is precious to God and threatening to the enemy, it ought to be precious to you. Amen? You ought to value how much faith you have in your heart more than you do how much money you've got in your account. Much more. You know, if your bank account gets low, that can trouble you, right? But friend, when your faith gets low, that's even much, much worse. Much worse. Because your faith is much more precious than money. Much more precious than gold. Right? Much more precious. More precious than gold. Everybody say, my faith faith is precious to God. God. My faith faith is threatening to the enemy. enemy. And my faith faith is precious to me. me. See, make up your mind. I'm going to guard my faith. I'm not going to let anything steal my faith. I'm not going to let anything rob me of my faith. I mean, this, does this have anything to do with healing? Yeah. You, you bet it does. Remember over in Proverbs 4? My son, attend to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For their life to those that find them. Health or medicine to all their flesh. And then it goes on to say, keep your heart. Amen. Or guard your heart, one translation says. With all uh, vigilance, watchfulness, guard it. Why? Because out of it are the issues of life. Protect your heart. Guard your heart. Amen. Faith is in your heart, isn't it? Faith is of the heart. The Bible says in Romans 10.10, For with the heart man believes God. Guard your heart. The devil wants to siphon all the faith out of your heart. He's trying to. You understand? He will be trying to tomorrow. But if you learn some things, you can keep him out of your heart. You can keep his his hands off of your faith. Amen? Amen. And the more he tugs on it, you just build it up that much stronger. Amen? And every time he tries to strip it down, you just come back with bigger faith. You know, uh, there's been so many changes in uh, Europe and the Soviet Union and what have you in in, in more recent times. But uh, this was purported to have come from some reliable sources some years back when uh, a certain particular uh, communist country, uh, the people there were enduring, Christians were enduring terrible hardships, and some of them are enduring hardships right now. I don't mean to imply that, but uh, terrible hardships. And some of the leaders uh, of of several communist countries were, were discussing some things. 
And the one of them was purported to have asked another, why do you allow the Christians in your country so much freedom? Because others were, you know, really pressuring the ones that were in their country. Why do you let yours do so much? Why do you let those people do the things that they do? You know about it. Why aren't you doing more about it? Why do you let them go like you do? And this fellow was purported to have said, well, from studying some history, I have seen that apparently many Christians, true Christians, are much like nails. The harder you hit them, the deeper they go. <laughs> and you know from, from studying history, you'll see that, that, that many, many times, the harder the pressure came from the outside on the Christians, the deeper the movement went and the stronger the roots of it got. And you know, if you really have faith and you don't turn loose of it, then the more that the pressure comes to doubt God, to turn loose, you put your roots down deeper in God. You turn to God. You press into God more. You search His Word closer. And it all comes out to the fact that you're more sure than you ever were. Amen? Amen? And your faith is stronger than it ever was. Do you see what he's saying though? That the trial of your faith can cause your faith to come out like refined gold. It's pressure. It's trying it. It's testing it. It's proving it. The devil's trying to strip it away from you. Oh, but you can just let that serve to cause you to go deeper in God. Amen. 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 And they just, you know, when you don't know what to do and the pressure's on, you just draw closer to God. And you draw near to Him. He said He'd draw near to you. Amen. Search that scripture again. Look up all the words in it. Look up other words. Make sure that's what it says and you find out something that's even better than you didn't even know. And you go, glory to God. Not only does it mean this, it also means this. And the devil's going, no, 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 no. That's not what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to get cold. Pray less. Doubt God. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. And see, it's backfiring. Yeah. Yeah. In his face, do you understand? Yeah. You know? He, his, his devices are designed to get you to back off and start questioning God and going, God, why haven't you done this? Why did you let this happen? What about this? You understand? So that you just... You know, there are a lot of people angry at God. Sure. They're, they're, you know, they're angry at God. Pull away from Him. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. Exactly. Because, you know, you're pulling away from Him. You're pulling away from your answer. You're pulling away from your life. You're pulling away from your victory. Friend, don't ever get mad at God. If you're mad at God, it shows that you are acting foolish. There, there are going to be some things in life you don't understand. Okay? Absolutely. But if you saw it all and understood it all and saw it from God's perspective, you would immediately realize you have absolutely no reason to be angry with Him. In fact, He's been more merciful than you would have asked Him to be. But sometimes because we don't see things, we don't know things, the enemy can lie to you and say, well, see, God, God let you down. He didn't come through for you. This or that. Those are lies. Don't listen to them. Don't believe them. Trust God. Depend on Him. Now, there's a lot of things we could say to you, but I think that because of uh, uh, the shortage of time and what have you, that we're just going to close here today.
And uh, tomorrow, unless the Lord leads us another direction, I'm going to get into some aspects of how the devil comes to try your faith. Exactly what he does, and then thereby you know what you can do about it. Amen. Exactly how, because see, that's, that's one of the biggest things, is, is the, the devil's works are primarily through deception and subtlety. And one of the devil's favorite operations is for him to be working and you not even know it's him. I mean, when he's really doing his thing right, that's the way it is. When he's really got it together on his end, then he's working and you don't even know it's him. You know, you're blaming it on somebody else, you know. Preferably God. You ever seen uh, little children playing in the schoolyard or something? And uh, little boys or girls either, as far as that's concerned. You know, one of them reach around behind another one, thump that one or pull his ear or something and look the other way. And then this one reach over and slap this one beside you. What did you do that for? This one, what do you mean? I didn't do that. Slap. And then they get to fight and he just stands there and laughs, you know. <laughs> you know where they got that inspiration? <laughs> From the originator of that. You know. The enemy has been slapping Christians for years. And then going. <laughs> you understand? Oh yeah. Slap them with this. Slap them with that. And then they go. Devil. He goes. Huh. Huh. God. Because he knows. If he can get them to thinking. Well now. If God did it. You know. Going to fight God. What are you going to do? <laughs> so you just have to go, well, the Lord works in mysterious ways, you know. You understand? But I want you to know the devil is the culprit. He is the enemy. He is the thief. He is the killer. He is the destroyer. Jesus said so. And he has devices, many of them. I don't know that we could cover all of them in, in a long time. But he, we're going to cover some of the main general areas of how he works to strip you and I of our faith. And so the more we know about this, the less chance he has of doing it. Right? If we'll act on what we know. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.